0: to talk a little bit about mlb players on the move i've got three
1: here for you i feel obligated to talk about them solely because as we've talked about at length nothing is happening it's so quiet
0: but at the same time there's slowly just everybody is moving around and things are happening that are really going to affect fantasy that's true the this like slow readjustment is hard
1: for fantasy so the three that you highlight here sunny gray ends up on the reds that feels bad uh cody allen ends up on the angels that feels good
0: and then absolutely
1: where did aviso garcia end up
0: tampa bay that feels bad or good i I don't know you know (laughs) i don't know that one's i think that it's clear um sunny gray even if he has a good year is not gonna have a good year for fantasy i don't think like I could see him it being like June and like him having really good ERA and WHIP and everyone would be like, oh my gosh, Sunday Gray is back! We just had to get him out of a big, big market. And then you're gonna look at the K's and you're gonna be like, that is not sustainable. <laughs> 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 Middle of the summer when balls are flying out of Great American Ballpark.
1: Oh no, I think I think you're absolutely right about that. And he's not gonna get he's gonna get very little run support, and it's gonna be a bummer. But yeah. Cody Allen feels like he's he's free on some level. I don't know. I I always it's, felt he was a little oppressed in Cleveland.
0: It's his job. It's his job. <laughs> it's There's just like, just period. What does he have to do to lose that job? The num- basically the number 1 and number 2 closers from that team last year, Tommy John on the Twins. So, <laughs> it <laughs> he, says it all. <laughs> It's, I think he's got, and he's a good, he's a good closer. He sometimes does a bit of the inflated ERA, makes you sweat kind of stuff. But I mean, that's such a, such an improvement over what the Angels have had the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. But I want to get, so Avisel Garcia, uh, this is continuing our, one day we're going to learn how to um, take advantage of platoons, I think, and it's players like this that, are going to be huge in that strategy. One year we're going to do like a whole platoon year. I really don't think that's true, but okay. (laughs) You see, you wait. Um, (laughs) And then, but I want to get to Cody Allen though, because I think it's great that finally you had one of the best bullpens in baseball in Cleveland, and now all of a sudden you have three closers, you know, on three teams that are going to get a lot of saves in um, in Cleveland and St. Louis, with uh, Andrew Miller going there and Cody Allen going to Los Los Angeles. That's right, but the
1: opposite is also true, so it feels like the league is normalized in the sense that the Yankees have, of course, stockpiled Chapman, Batances, Ottavino, (laughs) Britton. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> these are right old, these are those are guys that
0: could all be workable closers on other teams right but zach britton hasn't been in terms of like just names zach britton has not been um was not fantasy relevant for 20 months
1: agreed but pitching the <laughs> pitching the 7th inning on a 100 win team is like a pretty good way to build your confidence.
0: Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I mean he could get traded if he could get traded for like a boatload of stuff cuz they I feel like they have right they have four guys when yep. they need when they all they really should need is three.
1: All right, this week on the pod we are going to continue talking about how we work with our clustering projections in the first half We're going to talk about the visualization technique and uh, and a tree-making technique that I developed over the past week to try and associate clusters. And then in the second half, we're just going to make sure that we're on the same page for planning to get these projections out in a month. So here we go. I have two extremely complicated plots for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think they actually show something interesting and they address stuff that you directly asked about in the past. So the two things that they direct, that we directly asked about in the past are how far apart are the centers of the clusters? So how distinct are these cluster centers actually? One, and two, how do these clusters relate to each other as we increase the number of the number of clusters? So, you know, how are we so actually selecting the number of clusters? So mm-hmm. I tried to come up with two ways to visually attack both of these problems. The first one is that I looked at, I, I first came up with a metric for how to link the closest clusters. And I'm curious if you think this is a good idea or not. What I did was I took the, the, each stat of the five stats that I'm using for pitching and I calculated the standard deviation over all oh. of the players. And then I calculated how far. In standard deviations, one cluster center is from another.
0: And that's how I matched the closest centers. Okay, rather than looking at the um, Euclidean distance in data space. Right, so I'm now looking in, I don't know, whatever you, Gaussian
1: distance, whatever we want to call it, the assumption (laughs) of a normalized thing. But the idea was, you know, we had to get around the problem that we talked about last week, which is Mm -hmm. that you you need all of these stats to be on the same playing field the same level and so under the assumption that these that all of these stats are normally distributed which is not necessarily a, a great assumption then i can go and directly sum up all the categories or sum up the standard deviation between clusters in five categories and look at how close they are and so that's what i did i just looked at okay how close are these clusters in as a function of total standard deviations across all five. And I actually think it did a pretty good job. I think it associated clusters that are believable. And so I'll draw your mm-hmm. attention first to one where I looked at two of, the, two of the categories. The home run rate per 100 batters and the K rate per 100 batters.
0: Yes, this is pitching.
1: This is pitching. And so what you see here is the all of the links between clusters. So if you have k equals 2, and then you go to k equals 3, what cluster is the closest to the, the cluster of the level above it? So the idea was to see how far the centers move as you increase the number of clusters. Right. But you can also use this to show you just how close the cluster centers are to each other. So when you start with two clusters in, on in this plane of home run rate versus k rate, You have one cluster that's that's low K rate or high K rate, low home run rate, and one cluster that's low K rate, high home run rate, exactly like you expect. Higher, higher, yeah. 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 And we talked about this at length. We we didn't really have the empirical means to talk about this, but I think we do now, which is that you again, you just really don't get the extremes until you start jacking up the number of clusters.
0: Right, and then you start seeing them them um, really spread out. It is kind of interesting that you've this this graph, so your um, K rate per 100 batters, home run rate per 100 batters, and the, um, the movement of the cluster. So there's a whole lot of noise in here, but you have identified um, the two specific epochs in here, and it does help to show... The movement though it would be
1: you'd like to know the direction great. anyway <laughs> it, yeah, a directionality yeah. of
0: the movement would be would be really key, and it does show you know where its st- where it starts and where it goes to i mean that's really really huge because that's what you're thinking about in terms of um adding more clusters what is it really doing? Is it actually doing anything? And we can see where everything is moving in data space, which is, which is pretty key. Like at the, at the end of this, you end up with, um, I like this, this cluster, the, um, the one with the K rate there are two, the K rate that's somewhere around 20 and a home run rate per 100 batters of a route. Five and a quarter. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Wow. (laughs) Like, like. Oof. hmm.
1: I mean, like, good job on the K rate, I guess. But (laughs) no, not even. Oh boy. But visualizing it like this also, to me, shows that there there are spaces in here where we're gonna have a really hard time making projections. Mostly Mm -hmm. those tails. So the one that you were just talking about, the one that's at K rate of twenty and home run rate of five and a quarter. I don't think we're gonna we can't project anyone up there in good conscience. Why not? Uh I because we don't have any I don't think we're gonna have any confidence. You don't even see that area open until until very late in the eighteen
0: clusters. You're right. So that's why projections don't typically project players that awfully. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah i I mean, I think we're gonna kind of fall into that, but you can already see
1: where as you increase you you end up with a deep a uh, bigger and bigger knot at a k rate of twenty and a home run rate of three, and so that to me is like that's our
0: default spot, <laughs> like yeah exactly, which actually helps make us feel like projections are easy because you're gonna somewhere between <laughs> yeah somewhere between eighteen and twenty three k per 100 batters and then somewhere between jeez i mean 2 <laughs> 2.8 and 3.3 3. yeah basically this to me says
1: like start with your default there <laughs> assume that everyone's there until you see evidence for them not to be there
0: right exactly but that's what uh, the whole theory of what we're doing on the machine learning is that the machine is going to do that. It's going to start it there with these first two, and then it's going to push them out, and then it's, uh, oh, uh, you know, and then they're going to find find where they end up in data space. So do you have any, exam- any example players that you want to talk about? All right, so
1: let's take a guy from 2018 that's kind of interesting, which is Jake Odorizzi. Now, Jake Odorizzi is a home run rate of three <laughs> And a K rate of twenty-two, so he's just right in that knot. So if you want a guy that falls in that knot, think Jake Odorizzi's last season. And if you want a guy that falls in that top end, how about this? So this is a guy that has a home run of home run rate of three and a K rate of thirty-four. You want to take any guesses about who that is? Twenty eighteen. Uh, is that Scherzer? Yes. Yeah. That's. I mean. So. So basically, if you want to think about that cluster, that's way up there. But how about this guy? Yeah who do you think falls in the home run rate of 3 and a k rate of 27 where you see we see that there's sort of another little knot there so that's got i mean that has that has four clusters in it by the time you get to k of 20 is that going to be like i guess Trevor Bauer is a little bit higher than that
0: is it like david
1: price so the example that i'm thinking of is mike fulton nevich Ah, so somebody like Mike fulton falls in. Yeah. So I think my point my, think, my point from that is that that cluster at 27 Ks and thirty three home runs is better than you
0: think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. No, exactly. I first was like, okay, well, that's got to be someone who's, you know, someone who's like borderline ownable. And then I was like, no, 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 no. That's someone who's actually pretty good. Yeah. And then
1: if you want to talk about somebody that's in a higher K rate or higher home run rate cluster, um you've got Tyler Glasnow has 29 home runs per or 29 whoa, home runs 29 yeah. Ks per 100 and 4 home runs per 100 so he's up he's up on the top of that cluster so yep. so basically you have to crank up to more than K equals 10 if you want to split out Fulton Evich's and and Glasnows
0: but see this is my concern again about getting to um getting really granular with adding things like home run rate Is that this ends up lending to a little bit more linear regression, and doing linear regressions on each one of these statistics rather than trying to do, um, you know, data uh, simplifying our data with these clusters? Because Tyler Glass now is a perfect Blake Snell kind of candidate, (laughs) yeah. Because he, if he just gets that home run rate down, and that K rate stays virtually the same holy moly he ends up being so much better player which i don't know that our clusters are going to be as good about predicting
1: well i mean part of this so again this gets back to some of the discussion that we had last week about like well what what are we actually clustering on and and we obviously chose different things but the real power actually you know i just sort of swept this under the rug but the real power in comparing glass and fulton is their their walk rate their walk yeah. rates are quite different Yep. So the reason that you pick Fulton-Evich long before you pick Glass now is because Fulton-Evich's walk rate is lower. So, I mean, I'm talking about this in a two-dimensional plane because I thought about, like, well, can I plot five dimensions? And, like, no, nope. I can't. So, you know, I hear what you're saying about linear regression, but I think on some level we're a little bit stuck. But that also, that's what motivated me to think, okay, well, I need to think in Gaussian distance space. Absolutely. And that's all that's all I could do. So, I still think we're learning, I still think we are learning something valid that this technique has use, but I agree that we might want to watch out for overinterpreting it. This now takes another installment of Eric points out something factually true about Minnesota fan bases that just sounds like he's making fun of them. The Twins now have a manager who just came from Tampa Bay.
0: You could probably play total Tampa Bay style win 90 games and the fans would be totally out. Yeah. The Twins
1: PR department is going to have to work some serious overtime if the minute something,
0: even remotely not classic baseball, happens. Because it's going to be seven times out of ten it works, and those three times out of ten that it doesn't work, to be, see, told you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me talk to you about this other thing that I think might help us
1: actually associate players with clusters, because that's the thing that we've been really bashing our heads against the wall for projections here which mm-hmm. is the this thing that i'm calling a k tree i guess and what it is is on the y axis you have each level and on the x axis you have the the cluster number and so what it does is at each level it connects you to it it basically shows you which cluster is bifurcating to make the next level and we we sort of conjectured about what this might look like last week and it, it kind of looks like what we predicted, which is that the even when you're at K equals 2, so just the nominal good-bad cluster split, you already see that the good cluster maintains its goodness the whole way down to K of 20. It has only two, two bifurcations in the whole thing. Yeah. And then the rest of it is just the best cluster remains the best cluster. So that, to me, says, well, we're going to have a really easy time projecting the best guys.
0: Best guys. And then the worst guys is kind of similar. <laughs> yeah. So the, my one <laughs> – this graph is, is pretty good. And, and definitely having the value cluster number helps in uh, putting this into order. Yeah. But we may, we might need to – uh, manually smooth this so that we can actually see the tree a little bit better because some of this looks like noise and then you realize no it's not noise it's just plain that one for whatever reason like I'm following the second split the second yes. split of the second split and then it goes all of a sudden it's like <laughs> it jumps two value clusters above and then it dips way below. And that's just because for whatever reason in, in that number of clusters that a um, certain set of statistics ends up being more valuable than um, than the rest of them. And so if we can straighten this out, I think that we we have a really powerful tool to be able to say, okay, well this is, this is what happened. This is where this splits. Well, occurred.
1: straightening it out. So you you really hit upon exactly what I think is so crucial about this, which is that we are struggling with with connecting value clusters or our, the clusters to actual value, and we came up with like sort of a metric combining stats together, but mm. that may not be the best. That may not have been the best way to do this.
0: Uh. I think it's a start, but I think yeah. we end up having to, we really have to figure out like what is, yeah, To this is saying this is the value if each one of these players was to play against the other players, the average player. Yeah. But, if but we, what we really need is like, this is the type of player. Right. If we if we can straighten this out, then I think
1: you actually learn, You then you actually learn what the real value in clusters is.
0: <laughs> do we have to do that manually, you think?
1: I think we're going to have to develop a fresh algorithm to do that. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just going to be like, I have all the connections, so it's just figuring out how the bifurcations go. Because the thing that's really bad on here are the ones that end in a dead end. So it's Mm -hmm. saying, I I went to the next level of K, and this cluster wasn't close to anything. So, like, why does it exist? (laughs) So I think we want to prune things like the clusters that just die, the tracks that just die. Yeah. How do we highlight those? Those just straight aren't they aren't useful because they're they're telling you that, okay, I'm Monte Carloing and I got off in some region of parameter space and got stuck.
0: Yeah. And then we restarted. Which is kind of what's cool about K-Means. Right.
1: But I think that's gonna tell us that's gonna help us figure out which clusters we actually want to project guys into and which ones we want to believe. Let's talk for a couple minutes about the timeline here for making these projections. Uh we're 4 weeks out. We're doing something we're doing something interesting every week, but are mm-hmm. we getting any closer to our projections? Yeah, sort <laughs> of. <laughs> is this the kind of thing where like the
0: last week is going to have all of the work cuz ideally that wouldn't be true. Well, the concern my bigger concern is yes, all the work is going to be at the very end and then we're going to get there and we're going to be like wow, this is useless. <laughs> 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 I, I mean I really think that we're far
1: enough that you said if you like told me that tomorrow I had to give you projections I think I could do it I think they'd be crappy projections but I think we are we're close enough that we can do that but that probably means we're like 80% of the way there <laughs> and then yeah the next 20% are gonna be
0: killer they're gonna be rough yeah I think that we can get there though Uh, I think that we need to... So we have this, the K tree, the um, number of cluster tree and and splitting it out. We need to... I've got the innings pitched. Um, The innings pitched piece is going to be pretty easy because we're stealing it. Yep. Um, And the two remaining pieces then are... Predicting the movement from one cluster to another cluster. Yep. And then it's the bucket rounding assignment. Do you think we should steal
1: at-bats as well, or plate appearances?
0: Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I think that we... We steal the denominator for both the both the stats, and maybe we even move the. um, Yeah, no, we just steal the denominator for both of them.
1: Great, excellent.
0: All right, you want to wrap this sucker up?
1: I do. I want to talk about the NFL playoffs. Those were. Do you really know two overtime championship games? Yeah, I'm told. I'm told that that doesn't happen often. (laughs) That is true. There's been a lot of punditry on this. What do you think we have to add for? takes
0: hot takes gold takes i've got a really hot take oh man if romo's voice was just a little deeper i think it would have a little bit more gravitas and i think he, he that would be the way that you could you could be better as a color commentator his voice rises when he gets excited oh yeah it does. so it like does. there was a there was a point
1: at the end of the patriots game where i thought is this is this actually tony romo like are we listening to uh, tony romo he was so excited <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. I I was talking to the lady about about him and why why he's appealing and what I came down to was um <laughs> the biggest thing. Like when I watch a football game, there's there are four players that I'm always rooting for every single game. Who are those four players?
1: I have no idea. Who are you rooting for every game?
0: The kickers, the punters. Oh, I'm just like, yeah, guys, obviously, we can do it. We can do it. We can have a really good game. Now, the difference is what Ro- Tony Romo is doing is he is like, and I'm totally ready to talk about different things about the <laughs> kicking, about how why he pulled it, why did why he shank it, like why did that punt it, all that, that kind of stuff. Tony Romo is doing that with quarterbacks. And his enthusiasm is for the position and what – the players are doing in that position. Which I feel like is very different from the way a lot of other color commentators talk. And his enthusiasm for the position puts it into sort of a neutral territory. <laughs> and him talking about the position, like even if you're if you're playing against Tom Brady, you can like hear Tony Romo kind of break him down and be like, okay, well, ooh, well, I see. We could beat him <laughs> if we did these kind of things, you know? Whereas, like, uh, you know, the Joe Buck approach, which is just to always talk about, like, the biggest things that have ever happened in that franchise's history, like, pisses off both fan bases. <laughs> That's really true, yeah.
1: Tony Romo, there's he's just rooting for the offense. Like, he's just here for for
0: high points, shootout style games for sure and that is where the nfl is gone but i mean he's appreciative of the defense and he's telling them what oh look at that That was a clever play by the defense or oh watch the defense do this you know he he really does he breaks down plays in just a much better way than any other color commentator okay i think that about brings us to the review session the fifth element
1: shocking amount of overlap with other 90s movies in this movie
0: in terms of actors or in terms of everything everything
1: actors yeah. content i feel like you can see through lines to to so many things in this
0: and you can see you can see uh, horiz- horizontally to other movies that we've done that yes. we like are really benchmark movies as well as vertically forward to movies that we're going to cover i there was there was
1: much more um Star Wars prequels in this than I thought there would be.
0: Oh yeah, no, it really it it did sort of feel that way. Yeah. There's just like the way the camera was moving, this how solid the front foreground versus the background was. I don't yeah. A lot of stylistic stuff that was like in terms of like the storyline. And they hadn't quite perfected storylines. Very true. Huge <laughs> tangents.
1: Was, well, the whole the whole intro, like you don't see, you take so long to see Bruce Willis, and then you take even longer to see Gary Oldman, and he's nominally the villain, the main villain in this.
0: Yeah, I was thinking the same <laughs> thing. It takes so long to really get like going. You're so, which is why it's more of a rewatchable movie or a movie that people cult classic that people like to rewatch is because you kind of have to know it to like it. That's
1: really, that's really true. Yeah, I and you do catch different things. Like also with the benefit of not having seen this for many years, there the soundtrack is so '90s. Like it was just the perfect mashup of the the Goldeneye soundtrack, but like the Goldeneye N64 soundtrack. And right it felt like a video game soundtrack and also the matrix on some level
0: a little like, bit huh? yeah through lines
1: i there were there were clearer through lines to the matrix than i thought there were going to be
0: i know you forget that the matrix comes from some some there was there were a couple of scenes where i was like oh her learning kung fu yes. i was like i had forgot yes. i hadn't even realized that the matrix stole that
1: I think you really have to you really do have to see that and like, wow, this really this clearly was a touchstone for The Matrix.
0: Influential in movie circles.
1: I I'm glad that you described it as a cult classic because it was even more it, it really felt cult classic y.
0: What I don't even understand I feel like I knew a lot of um, females growing up who were really into this movie.
1: This is not a female friendly movie.
0: And it's not a female-friendly movie, which is what I it doesn't make sense. This is one of
1: our worst failing Bechdel test movies. I think
0: at the at the end of the day, wouldn't if you just replaced Bruce Willis with Kate Beckinsale, like it, like pff, what? I mean, the whole movie is like the same movie. I mean, even it, except for that ending, you have to do maybe the ending stays the exact same. It's love, but whatever, but. What a terrible ending to the movie as well. It's just like you know, that all of a sudden you know that it's going to go there. And I was sort of, I like the spectacle of it. It's sort of fun. (laughs) But then I don't really like the storyline. And then the ending just like.
1: I agree. The ending was clearly the weakest. That's what really turned it into that cult classic. Apparently I was just more in that cult than I thought. So what are we doing next week?
0: I think you're not going to see, you didn't see this one coming. Shaun of the Dead.
1: Whoa. Yeah. You are right. I did not see that one coming. But you're right. Good one, though. Must do. Right? Must, do. Must do.
0: Must do. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.